coming up on the Dr. John Deloney Show. I think that really the heart of the issue and a lot of why we fight a lot is that I think he does struggle with his own sexuality, but I think he feels shame in talking about it. And my question is, how do I become, how do I help him see that I'm a safe space to talk about that and that that doesn't change that I love him? What up, what up? This is John with the Dr. John Deloney Show show about your mental health, your emotional health, your relationships, whatever you got going on in your life. We are here to sit with you, walk with you through dark times to help you figure out what's next or through light times and figure out what's next. So grateful that you are with us. Um, We got some reports back on our last month's numbers. And again, the show continues to be on a rocket ship. And that is for one reason. It's not because of me. It's not because of the gang. It's because of you. And hear me say this from the bottom of my heart. You guys make my kid's life possible. You guys give me um, such incredible feedback, both positive and negative things I need to change, things I need to get better at, and also um, stories of your own triumphs at home. And so for all of it, thank you for being with us. Thank you for giving us up your most precious resource, which is your time. If you want to be on this show, give me a buzz at 1-844-693-3291 or go to johndeloney.com slash ask and fill out the little form. It goes to Jenna and she will gatekeep you. All right, Jenna and Ben, we have, I need you guys to help me solve a crucial issue in my life. I'm on it. Kelly's gone. I don't trust her judgment on this anyway. So this is y'all too and this is important. Ben... You and I recently dominated, crushed it in a um, pop punk post emo resurgence show. I don't know how to say this nicely, but we we were incredible. Oh yeah, right. Oh yeah, clearly. As a part of that, I went and spent way too much money at Hot Topic buying gear for this show. And one of the more humiliating moments of my life was the discussion. I may have talked about on the show, the discussion I had with the lady when I was, she told me my total was a hundred dollars, 98 bucks or something crazy, but show is over. I have washed off the black nail polish. Boo. You should have kept it. I've taken off the eyeliner. I'm not wearing a mohawk, all the things I'm back at my day job, but I'm loving my chain wallet that I got. I'm sorry. What? I had like so chain wallets were the thing back yes, in the, back in like the early two thousands. So I got one for the show. It was super cheap. I got it, and I kind of like it. Why? Because it, it, I don't know. Just make you always know where your wallet is. And so it's fair. The other day I had it, and me and my manager were out at uh, getting lunch, and he just looked at me as I pulled my wallet out to pay, and he said, "I've never been so embarrassed in my life as I am right now." And I realized I'm too old for this, but I kind of love it. So I'm I've totally never been okay with proud. you bringing it back. I am 100% behind it. I, I'm I'm kind of all back. Let's bring the chain wallet back. But y'all y'all three are younger and hipper than me, so I need to know. You are clearly not buying I, it. I just think it looks... <laughs> not incredible? No, that one. Maybe if it was like more subtle to start, like you need to work your way into it. That one just looks so chunky and fake. I think a word no one has ever used to describe me is subtle. That's that word has never been like John Deloney's subtle. 
But it does feel very hot topic-y. Listen, listen. If there are any listeners out there that have this themselves, please, please let me know. Because if we have more people who actually own them themselves, then maybe it's a trend that can come back. But if it's just you, I don't know. Ben, would you buy one? I wouldn't wear it in public, <laughs> but hey, I, re- I don't deeply need to know what's in your bedroom. That you bought it because it seems like it's on brand for you. All hey, right. fair, fair, yeah. It would have been way cooler if you were like, dude, I need a chain wallet. I was going to get John Deloney chain wallets made for the whole team, but clearly that's a mistake, so I won't do that. Well, the sad thing is that you spent 100 bucks at Hot Topic and we didn't even win. We well, got <laughs> second, so- I know. So I know. close. We should have got year. really tight ring. Next year you need to spend $200 at Hot Topic. Maybe that'll get you over the nope. edge. Nope. Got a whole new plan for next year. Sign up year. for the rewards. All right, let's run out to the 512 in Austin, Texas, and talk to Allie. What's up, Allie? Hey, it's awesome to talk to you. I uh, have binged all of your shows, and I'm totally loving it. I'm totally nervous about the topic, but I'm not nervous about talking to you. So awesome. I feel like you're an older brother at this point. That is the but nicest the thing. It's pretty heavy. That's the nicest thing somebody has said to me in a long time, especially. Good. Because my show team thinks that wearing chain wallets is stupid, and I disagree. So thank you. Well, I'm going to vote with them on this one, <laughs> no! but everything else, you're no! like a cool big brother. You're from Austin, <laughs> which is basically uh, Portland of the South. I, I, thought I know. We, I'm supposed to be okay with it. I but. thought we were into on this together, but fair enough. All right. So what's up, Allie? Let's do it. Okay. So um, I wrote out my little preface and question, and then I'm just going to really live organically in this conversation because I'm super nervous about the topic, like I said. Cool. Let's do it. Um, Let's do it. I have a tendency to ignore red flags and focus on people's potential. Um, so I have committed to following your advice. Whatever you tell me on the show, like you could tell me to do the chicken dance on the top of my car at ATB, and I'm going to do it. Okay. You need um, to know 100% that's going to be in the things I tell you. To do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to start practicing. All right. Hey, um, do, hold, hold, hold on. Do me a favor before you do the question. Will you do me a huge favor? Uh-huh. I want you to take as deep a breath as humanly possible. Take it and hold it, okay? Ready? One, two, take it. Hold it. One, two, and then let it out. All right, here's my promise with you, okay? okay. I am hearing you that you're nervous to talk about what you're about to talk about, and I'm, here's my promise. My promise is whatever you say, I'm gonna I'm gonna be with you. Okay. Okay. It's a hundred percent my promise. It's heavy. No weird. No judgment. My heart pounding. I, I got it. I got it. And I, I know that it's heavy, but I want you to know that you're not gonna endure this heaviness by yourself. Cool. Okay. Yes. It's awesome. Awesome. Okay. So go for it. I'm here. Okay. So the heart of my question is, um, how do I help my husband to feel less shame about his sexuality? And I say that because, like, for years, my closest friends have all asked me, like, hey, is he, like, bisexual? Is he, you know, questioning things? And I never really gave it much thought. But, you know, we've been married for, you know, seven years now. And over the last few years, it's just kind of, like, reared its head a little bit more and come to maybe be, like, it could be a real issue. Um, Without getting too graphic, like, he has fetishes that I'm uncomfortable with things that he enjoys and wants to do that I don't. Um, And when we fight or we're emotionally distant, which does happen a lot, he buys toys to satisfy his own needs. And then he hides it from me. And when I inevitably find out, he has a lot of shame and embarrassment. And he ends up turning that around onto me and getting mad at me and saying it's my fault that he does it or that he has to hide it or 
that I caused it in the first place. We were fighting and he had to do it. And um, I think that really the heart of the issue and a lot of why we fight a lot is that I think he does struggle with his own sexuality, but I think he feels shame in talking about it. And my question is, how do I become, how do I help him see that I'm a safe space to talk about that and that that doesn't change that I love him? Sure. Well, thank you for, I mean, you laid that out really beautifully. So thank you for that. Um, Can I ask some, some probing questions? Absolutely. Okay. Um, Question number one is besides particular sex acts that he enjoys that you're not into and besides his um, going to get sex toys and to uh, assumedly masturbate himself, right? Take care of himself in any number of ways. Mm -hmm. Um, that's a very limited scope for, for why you would think, I think my husband's gay. I think my husband's bisexual, or I think my husband's not attracted to me, whatever, whatever, whatever's there, that sense of shame there. Paint me a fuller picture here. He does have a really deep appreciation of like the human body. I guess Mm -hmm. you could say like all human bodies and like he comments in a different way than I hear most men comment when he sees some a guy who's really ripped or, you know, he'll point out attractive men probably more often than attractive women. He like makes like certain friends on social media that he just really keeps track of that are also like, or they are gay and he seems to be drawn to them and really seek their, like when they tell him he's attractive, that's like a really big sense of pride for him. Mm-hmm. And like, he goes kind of looking for that from that population, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm just seeking affirmation. Absolutely. So, um, and by the way, everybody listening to the show seeks affirmation from somewhere or from multiple places, right? Yeah. So there's two, co- there's, there's, there's two directional challenges here. Directional challenge number one is you have, I'm assuming, tell me if I'm wrong, you have shame that somehow you're an unsafe place for the man that you love to land. True or false? True. How long has that been going on? And, and, and basically the bigger question is how long has he been keeping secrets from you that you are unknowing, he doesn't know this, but you're carrying the weight of those secrets too. How long has that been happening? Your whole marriage, or oh, you're forever. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. And and it, like I said, I'm really good at ignoring red flags and seeing potential. So in the beginning, when it would happen, I was just like, "Well, he just needs to know that I love and support him, and I just need to love him through this, and then he'll open up and trust me with the truth." And then it was just like he kept lying about things, and and it's not just sex things that he would lie about. There's other things that he like parts of his identity, he tries to keep hidden from me. And so my, I've always really from the beginning just been like, well, if I just keep trying, then he'll be open with me. And that hasn't worked out great. So one of the things that gets lost in the gender conversation, by the way, I've had this conversation. I can't even, I can't even count. So I want you to know you're not alone. Okay. Um, Mm -hmm. Get that gets lost in, in the gender conversation is uh, it's a very delicate thing because there's a ton of shame and there's also a ton of, if the wrong person finds out you are kicked out of your home, you're kicked out of your religious group, you're kicked out of your school. I mean, you're like, there's a true penalty to be paid, right? right. And mm-hmm. often kids that recognize they are different, especially when it comes to who they're attracted to when they're young, um, they learn really quick to shut up about that. 
And they wrestle with that. And they have been mining themselves and their community and what's okay and who loves me and who's safe for years, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, it's easy for you to go, I, all of this rests on me. And I'm also going to challenge the other side of the equation. He got married to you. Mm -hmm. He looked you in the eye and said, you and I are ride or die till the end of time. And then maybe even beyond that, if you believe in the right um, uh, romance novel, right? Like we're in this thing. And so there is a price to be paid on both sides. One, you better not say anything. And I attached myself to somebody that I said I was going to be connected to intimately, not just sexually, but spiritually, right? I'm going to, they're going to know me. I'm going to know them because we're, we're one forever. And so you carry the burden well, too. And we have been we have been separated. Okay. We actually just got back together. And a big part of it was because of the hiding and the lies. And But my bigger problem with the hiding and lies is that he makes it sound like it's my fault. He turns it around and blames me. So then I feel like I'm going crazy. I question reality. Like, yes, it's gaslighting. Did this thing and it's really happen? It's gaslighting. Yeah, it's it yes. is. And and he, he learned that from his mom, who's, you know, the shame and whatever. Mm-hmm. But he, I think he wants to be better, but he doesn't know how. And when he's tried therapy in the past, I think even in therapy, it's like so much shame that he can't be him true, his true self and really be vulnerable with a counselor. So why'd so you go back? We've, you know, why'd you go back? Because let's, let's put sexuality and gender aside. You're married to someone who lies to you, to your face, and has for years. Mm-hmm. And my yeah. guess is, um, is there infidelity involved that you know of? No. Are you positive? Not specific, but I, no, I'm not. And I will be honest and say that I have occasionally gone and gotten myself tested. Okay. Out of fear. So that tells me you're being a very, almost coy on the, on the call. That there's something in your gut that says, whoa, is yeah. there pornography involved? Oh, tons. Okay. And, and in the beginning, like our sex life was so crazy. And I just thought it was great that this guy was super into me and found me so attractive, but we were having sex four and five times a day, every day for years. And then when it started to dwindle off, I thought something was wrong with me, but that's when like the porn started getting to be a really big issue. And he was more interested in that than in having sex with me. And so, you know, the toys and it just snowballed. So I, I'll say that I, went back to him because I do love him and I do see the potential in him. I see what his mom broke in him and But you can't fix that. Sorry. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I'm getting emotional. Yeah, no, no, no. Of course you are. You love this man. And you're hurting. Yeah. But, but you can't fix what mom broke. Right. You can hold his hand and but I want to be a safe landing place and I don't know how to do that. I know but he hasn't chosen you as that place. And that's mm-hmm. one of the hardest things I can say out loud to somebody in your situation. I'm sorry, but it's the truth. He hasn't chosen you. Yeah, you're right. And you've spent the last X number of years sacrificing your own intimate connection, sacrificing your own romantic relationship with him, sacrificing your marriage, and then deeper than that, your, value. Own, your own value. Yeah. Yeah. Because you were once... A, and I see that. I feel like I'm withering away. I feel like I'm not the same person that I was. Hold on. You are withering away. And this is the... Man, I don't want to cause a bunch of drama on this show, but this is where the gender conversation... I mean, the not the gender, but the sexuality conversation gets so blown up. It becomes so nuclear 
that the dishonesty and the pornography and the potential um, infidelity all gets wrapped up with in this other conversation. It's not. I think I excuse the dishonesty as I just feel bad for his shame. And I, you know, I want to believe he hasn't cheated on me. I want to believe all of these things. But you don't. But you don't. When I catch him, when I catch, like, he, he bought a toy and I find out there's so much embarrassment. He can't, like, we can't have a conversation. We can talk about so many things in our sex life and we have conversation. But about that, he shuts down and he won't talk to me. And he's just like, oh, it's fine. I just fell off the wagon. It is what it is. I'm going to get back on the wagon and I won't do it again. And but there, but there, 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 in a safe relationship, there's not a wagon to get on and off of. There's right. a conversation to, to be had. Right? And I, I, I'm going to go as far to say if people have are into weird things or into weird things and you, you talk about that with your spouse, right? You talk about that with your partner. You have that conversation. But right. he hasn't chosen you. And at some point, you, you said you feel like you're withering away. I'm hearing it on this call. You're mm-hmm. like one of those movies where there's a ghost that comes back and then they start, the time starts running out and they start getting thinner and thinner. That's what's happening to you. And at least right now, it's not because he might be gay or might not be gay or might be experimenting or might be bisexual. That's not it. It's that you are married to someone who's lying to you. You're married to someone who is more into pornography than he is to you. Who can't, who, who is not reciprocating how much of themselves they're putting on the table for the sake of this marriage. Absolutely. And my closest friends have said that, that this is not a, you know, equal effort marriage. Not even close. And let's say he, I, in the same way that he saw potential, you saw potential in him. He saw potential in you. Maybe she's going to be the one that helps me because I don't want that. Whatever the conversation he's had in his soul for however many years. And maybe mm-hmm. his mom beat him up so bad emotionally, right? All those things can be true. And what he is carrying is so heavy that at this point he has chosen to not set it down because he doesn't know how. Yeah. Fine. He can do that. And you don't have to be a part of that. Both of those things are true. His pain is very real. What he's working through alone, I, if he was here, I would want to hug him and not let go. Mm. Yeah. And, and I would have to be willing to hit for him to say, I don't want to hug you. I don't know you. Mm. And, and I, I know that he loves me. I know that he chose to marry me because he loves me. I, I know that it's not like... He's only into men and he's not interested in me. I know that he loves me, that he thinks I'm attractive, and but I just think there's such a broken side of him that, yeah, you're right. I'm just not the one that he wants to share it with. And the, the choosing reality is what, how you're going to live out of that truth. Which is what? Do I just keep being numb like I have? No, because the other end of that is you die spiritually, emotionally, relationally, and then eventually you die, die. Yeah, and I'm definitely not being the best mom that I can to my kids. And How many kids do you have? Like, yeah. You have kids together? We don't have kids together, no. How many kids do you have? I have four. Are they, are they a, a ringside seat to all this? Yeah, um, some of my kids are grown and out of the house now, but um, I had kids when I was really young. Okay. But the, 
it hit the, like they saw it and they they're very protective of mom and mm-hmm. you know they have been saying for a long time that this isn't a healthy situation okay. but so, i guess i just wanted to make it happen is there some commitment you made to yourself that what happened in your first relationship was never going to happen again yeah i promised myself that i would never not be someone's priority and that I would never get divorced again. And so I don't know what to do when the two things don't work together. <laughs> yeah, you made yourself you know what I mean? a promise that, yeah. yeah, way to go. I painted myself into a corner. Yeah, you really did. And you that's a hard corner to paint yourself into because you painted you into it, not somebody else, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, like I want to have all these standards for myself and these boundaries and I want to be like, my partner is going to respect me and appreciate me and value me and make me their equal and we're going to be true partners. And but then I just allow little behaviors to undermine that. And Allie, to Allie, 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 these them. are not little behaviors. Yeah, these are massive fractures in a trusting, loving relationship. Period. That's true, but it starts small. It does. And then, yeah, it does. But these are massive. Yeah, you're right. They're massive. And this is in a heteronormative relationship. This is in a gay relationship. This is in all relationships. You got to tell the truth. Right. You got to be a person of fidelity. You can't right. hold these black hole secrets from somebody because when you say I do, they take on those secrets with you. Yeah. They just yeah, do. And they I, do. To the point where, where he had an incident one time and he had to have something removed from his body and I took the blame for it. I I showed up at the hospital and I said it was me. I did it mm-hmm. and took that shame from him because I hold that black hole. But I don't think he does the same for me. I know he doesn't because you wouldn't be on this call. And yeah, so right. w- one of the you made yourselves a bunch of prom- you made yourself a bunch of promises that relied on somebody else's fidelity. And I'm of the opinion, like um, in faith circles, they talk a lot about like you know infidelity is about who you sleep with. So sleeping with somebody that is not, you're not married to. I think you can cheat on somebody on a, you know, with your work, you can cheat on somebody with your golf course. You can cheat on somebody by withholding. You can with that neglect, right? You can cheat on somebody, um, by vacuuming up all of your internal turmoil. And then when somebody says, Hey, are you okay? You just blast them with it. Or the analogy I use is you carry bricks around in your own backpack and the moment somebody says, whoa, 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 you smash them with the, your bricks, your pain. Oh, and I've done that. I have definitely done that to him. No, I've no, no. He's done that to you. Taking a couple bricks out. He's done that to yeah. you. Yeah. Every time you say, hey, wh- what is this? Bam. Yeah. So I think your path forward is, 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 is pretty straightforward, pretty simple. Step number one is you make a decision on what love and respect you're going to accept or not accept. Number two, y'all had a trial separation. You move back in. You wouldn't be calling me if that move back in was just smooth as silk. It hasn't been, has it? Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. Not at all. And so... No. I think it's time for a very direct, hard conversation, which is the following. You might want to write him a letter because it doesn't sound like he can hear it. It sounds like he goes to war with you and you bring something up. Or you might want to write a letter and read it to him. But you have to have a state of the union conversation, which is, I committed to you and I said I do. I'm all in. 
But part of that commitment, part of that fidelity meant no lies, no deception, no bringing other people into our bed, whether on TV or whether in person. That these big mega secrets that are dragging the entire home down that I promised I would share with you, I have to at least know what we're fighting together. And if you don't trust me enough to be a safe place, then you are choosing with that lack of trust to say, you're not my person. And you are opting out of this, this unity, this one. And I think you started the call with saying, I will love him till the end of time. I'm with him. He's just not with you. And I think the ball is in his court as to whether he says, okay, I'm all in. I will tell you the truth. I'll tell you what I struggle with. I'll tell you where my shame lies. And that will be something y'all work through together moving forward. I said this earlier, you can't fix what his mama did. And you can't carry, co-carry his shame if he won't let you. And you can't love him through the hurt he's experiencing, which I know he is because he won't let you know what the secrets are. And I know that feels so, so, so lonely, Ellie. I'm sorry. He's really lucky to have you in his life. And my hope is that he takes this moment when you say, hey, this is my line. This is my line. But I want you to, when you, when you state your boundaries, I want you to be very clear about this. If he walks away from your boundary, he walks away. You didn't fail your marriage. You didn't crash your marriage. You didn't choose to fill in the blank again. He looked at you and said, yeah, I can't go there. I can only go this far in my trust. I can only go this far in my love. I can only go this far in my commitment, but there's a line there and you're not it. I can't cross it for you. And then you'll have to live in that reality. Here's my promise, Allie. I'll walk with you every step of the way. I'm sorry. This is heavy. We'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Be honest. How often do you find yourself pausing in the middle of a day and it feels like there is so much going on? And you find yourself wondering, what would I do with just a spare hour or 30 minutes? Can you even imagine? And it's in these moments that we often realize we're living someone else's life. Everyone else's schedules, priorities, and emergencies are driving our lives, and we can't keep carrying this load for everyone and everything. And it's in these moments when it feels like too much or when you need some help parsing through all the chaos that talking to a professional therapist can be a game changer. Therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you have with boundaries, time, commitments, and your own self-worth. And that can be in relationships with your friends, people at work, your significant other, or even how you can make and keep commitments with yourself. Therapy can be amazing for figuring out what even makes you happy anymore and how to go make it happen. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, try BetterHelp. Because therapy isn't just for people who've experienced trauma. It's great for building skills so you can be the best version of yourself. BetterHelp is completely online, so it's flexible enough to fit your schedule. Just fill out a short questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapist at any time for no extra cost. 
Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Deloney today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Deloney. All right, we're back. Let's go out to Denver and talk to Raymond. Hey, Raymond, what's up? Hey, Dr. John. How's it going? I'm good, man. What are you up to? Uh, nothing much. Just, uh, you know, waiting for this call. Very know? cool. What's up? So how can I help? Um, I'm calling cause I've just been, I think struggling generally, but, uh, I, I think that the main area that I've been kind of focused on at the moment is like work. Um, I kind of was like, just, you know, let go from kind of the second opportunity in about a year. And I'm like kind of really trying to reevaluate what am I doing? What am I supposed to be doing? What and happened? Like, so you got fired the for the stuff. second time in a year. What happened? It's, I think like the, the, the two main things there are, um, I've been kind of just like working through, um, ADHD unmedicated. Mm-hmm. And so I think like a lot of the feedback that I've received, um, for, from, um, both those jobs were, uh, kind of attention to detail, doing things in a timely manner, um, staying on top of tasks and like finishing things uh, that I'm supposed to be doing and um, not having that done. I think the other piece is kind of, I relocated to Denver from the East Coast. And so definitely a lot of feelings of like loneliness uh, as well. Mm -hmm. And so I think like, um, and I know that like, a big part of uh, my work history these last couple of years have been, has been remote. And so I don't think that's like helped me much. Yeah. Um, be, being remote um, and being away from kind of my core community. Yeah. So I'm, I'm an unmedicated ADHD person too. Okay. And mm-hmm. I get all the things you just said. And it's been a 15 to 20 year adventure for me seeing how far I could get up river if that makes sense, how far I could get up river to begin to handle these issues. Meaning I have to have friends and I got to sleep and I got to be really careful about what I eat and I got to exercise. I got to do all these things so that when I sit down to do work, I can be detail oriented. And so I've had to, it's been, it's been, it's been an adventure. And I still to this day, if I don't sleep, the whole team will just roll their eyes when I walk in with a handful of gummy candies. They're like, oh, here we go. They know, right? Um, when I haven't been sleeping and I haven't been exercising and I haven't been taking care of myself and my relationships are but screwed up and I've been on the road. So all I want you to hear me say, you're not broken. And also, job loss is a major psychological event. It's really heavy. And I don't want you to be embarrassed or ashamed by how dark it all feels. Cause, cause it's right. It's heavy, right? Yeah. Um, with the first one, I feel like I was able to take it in stride mm-hmm. and, um, you know, mope around for a weekend and kind of get right back on it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, looking for another opportunity, trying to figure out, but, you know, I felt like I was like on top of like you know, the job hunt became like the new job and like, I felt like I was kind of doing what I need to do pretty quickly. 
Oh, you did. You got a, you got another job. You got across the country and you yeah. moved and you got it. It's gonna be your fresh start and it was all gonna work out. And then they nailed you for the same thing the last job nailed you for, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think like this one, you know, it's been about a month and like I'm not feeling that like drive that I had the first time to like sure. go back and do it better. Here's what this is. Here's what this is. This is grief. And this is good. It's right. And I don't want you to go back and just do what you were doing harder and better. Okay? I want you to reinvent the system. And that feels daunting and scary, but it's actually easier. It's smaller, it's smaller, tiny little steps. And by the way, if you struggled your, for a long time with ADHD, you, like me, have a recurring narrative, like a ticker tape, like a, like a stock ticker that runs underneath the story of your life that just says you're a loser, you're a loser, you're a loser. Fair? Yeah, and so these moments become confirmation of that story, that, that lie that you tell yourself. Because you're not a loser, man. But you look for places in the world where you can validate that story, and you got one. You got it twice in less than two years. And one at considerable cost because you moved halfway across the country. The beautiful thing is you can also seek confirmation of stories that you're not a loser through tiny little wins. Tiny little wins. Okay? Mm. So instead of, you do need to find a job, and I would recommend not going and finding, trying to find another career-defining moment right now or another dream job. I'd find a job that pays your bills right this second. Yeah. And I would love for you to get way upstream and begin to look for things like um, look for things like, um, where can I exercise? And it might start with, I'm just going to commit to two walks a day and it might be, or I'm going to go to a local gym and just do 30 minutes. That's it. And I get online. In fact, stay on the line and I'll give you any mind pump. My buddies at mind pump, any workout program they have, we're going to start small and we're going to get a group that we're going to hang out with. I'm just going to commit to hanging out with a group. I'm just going to. It's going to be weird and hard, but I'm going to do it. Dungeons and Dragons, chess, uh, any whatever it is. Church group, I don't care. One of those weird morning workout groups where all these dudes meet at the park and they yell and they're like, ah, and they do push-ups and pull-ups, whatever. Great, do that. Whatever it is. I'm also going to give you my friend Ken Coleman's Get Clear Assessment. It's going to be an assessment that's going to help you. Maybe an accountant isn't your future, or maybe an insurance salesman isn't your future. But I promise these same things that make detail orientation hard can also be a superpower when you're sitting with a hurting person. It can also be a superpower when you're sitting with an organization helping them reimagine something. And so it's about you getting all the way upstream. The last thing I really want you to do is get with a counselor in your local area. And you're going to say, I can't afford that. What I'm going to say is you can't afford not to. Because you've got a history of this happening and that grief is going to get real, real heavy. And what a counselor is going to do is they're going to walk alongside you with a flashlight, holding a flashlight out there. And they're going to walk with you. And here's what we're going to do. A lot of little wins begins to reinforce a new story. That you can do anything. And that you can do the, the magic D word. You can be disciplined. Slowly, but surely, over time. Or all at the same time, really quick. Some people are just able to flip a light switch and they say, today this is over. 
But hear me say, I'm not telling you to go get another job and you got to crush it. That's what I'm telling you. I'm telling you, you have to create an ecosystem that lets your body know this guy's driving and the hyperactivity, that spin up, that spin up, that spin up doesn't have to be every second of your life. Because now I've got a reputation, especially when it comes to writing, when it comes to editing. I've got a reputation for being maniacal about detail. Only because I've gone way upstream to deal with the other stuff. Hang on, though. I I'm going to give you three months of better help, too. How about that? We're going to hook you up, Raymond. We're going to take care of you. And I'm going to send you my book, Building a Non-Anxious Life. All of it. Everybody gets a pony and a car. <laughs> We're giving it all away, right? Hey, I care about you, Raymond, and I want you to go be well. But I want you to do it the right way. One last thing. I don't have a copy of it, but I want you to get on Amazon and pick up Discipline Equals Freedom by Jocko. It's one of the best. Let's dust yourself off and stand up. And here's what comes next. Books available. I want you to pick it up. I want you to read it cover to cover. You can read it in one day. You got this, Raymond. You got this. We'll be right back. Here we are in the middle of Lent. Lent is one of the cornerstones of the Christian faith. It's a time of reflection, taking a hard look at our lives, prayer, fasting, and more. Lent is about finding meaning, purpose, discipline, finding connection with God, and finally, letting go of trying to control everything. If you've grown up in a Christian faith and you've heard about Lent, and this year you want to jump in with both feet, or if you're not a person of faith at all and you've always wondered what your coworkers are talking about during this season, my friends at Hallow have created the 40-Day Lent Prayer Challenge. I went through the Lent reflection today on my own. It's already an extraordinary walk through 40 days of meditating and making changes in our lives. The 40-Day Challenge is about transformation, and Hallow has created a path with Lent-themed music, stories, prayers, and even some special things for your kids. I am personally going through the challenge, and I hope you'll join me and millions of others across the globe. Hallow is the number one prayer app in the world, and for listeners of the show, you get three free months of Hallow, all 10,000-plus prayers, meditations, music, and lecture series, and more, all of it, by going to hallow.com slash Deloney. That's three free months of the app at hallow.com slash Deloney. All right, let's go out to Denver, Colorado, and talk to the great and wonderful Julie. Hey, Julie, what's up? <laughs> Hi, John. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. Thanks for calling. What's up? How can I help? Okay, so I have what seems like a silly question, but it's an important one to me. Um, in my last couple of years, I'm not keeping friends or I'm not making new friends. I had like three core friends through the twenties and then, you know, we got married and had children and stuff. And then I actually lost one of my friends a few months ago. Hmm. And I don't know if it's just a season of life where people don't want new friendships. I feel like I'm really putting myself out there and trying. Uh, and I just, I don't know. I don't know if adults are too busy to have friends or if we're just done with that time. So I would say this is the least silly question that you could possibly ask. Well, it, I listen to your show and there's much deeper questions. Yeah, but this is, I think, one of the chief, like in 150 years when they're sh sifting through the rubble, this will be the story they told <laughs> about how they created the most magic 
incredible civilization and people died of loneliness right underneath it. Right. And they went mad. Right. They went they went stone insane, which is what our culture, yeah. I mean, look around. We've gone crazy. Um, and you can say it's because of politics, because the way people believe and on and on and on and on and businesses and BlackRock and blah, and conspiracy, all that stuff. Sure. None of that happens on a bed of connected human interaction. It just doesn't on, on deep, powerful friendships. It just doesn't. And so, but here we are. So I think what you're asking is one of the most profound questions of our age. And, um, oh, thank you. you're experiencing <laughs> it in real time. And I also don't want to blow by like, so I think we've created the loneliest generation in human history. And, um, that sounds cool. Like on a bumper sticker, it doesn't sound cool when you're Julie in Denver and, you you live yeah. in Denver because it's a young, hip place where everybody's like, hey, let's go hang out. And then nobody wants to hang out. And then I also don't want to blow by, like, you're sitting in some deep grief right now. What happened to your friend? Well, I actually live in one of the ski towns of Colorado. Oh, so it's, it's fight or flight. They're all Denver. there and then they're all gone. Yeah, yeah. Well, and they're all like uber rich. And I don't know if I just come across as not wealthy. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I rub them that. Like, I can't figure it out. Uh. Um, so, uh, first of all, I am married and, you know, we've been mostly happily married for 13 years. Okay. And we have a seven year old. And how old are you? I'm 43. Oh, you're in my boat. Yeah, Which I'm is, in the... You have a young kid, but you're 10 years older than most of your young kids' parents. I am. I yep. am. And I look like a mom, and I look like, <laughs> I don't know. A poor I mom. I, a, a little bit worn. <laughs> you're ridiculous, Julie. That's ridiculous. Okay, so back to your question. Um, so I have core three friends that were like my lifelong buddies, and we did all our 20s together. And then one of my friends uh, got sick about two years ago and just went really quickly. She had actually three different craniotomies, and the last one was, I believe, in March, and she just she didn't recover. Yeah. And Whew. and she she died. What was her name? Well, her name was Kendra. And probably her husband or family uh, listens to your show. Ah, so. okay. She was very loved. Yeah, she sounds amazing. Um, she was amazing. <laughs> yeah. My my hope is um, when my time comes, my friends will say like, "Man, I lost, I lost a an arm and a leg when that guy." Like that's that's. I mean. What more can you say about somebody? Family's supposed to talk good about yeah. you, but your friends, that's a different level. So that's, 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 she's amazing. I think so. Um, and I don't know what to do with that. Like, I don't know yeah. how to take her out of my phone and I keep wanting to like call and don't, don't. So I, I try to make connections like at school pickup. And hold, hold, on, hold, on, whoa, whoa, hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't blow by that. Yeah. That's two different okay. things. Yeah. I'm going to tell you something crazy and people might think I'm nuts, but call and leave her a voicemail sometime. Well, I think her husband would think that's a little nuts, but he can call you and you can say, I'm a little bit nuts right now. (laughs) Right. You're right. Or write her a letter and tell her about all the things that she's missing and don't send it. But, but the, the, 
I think there's this pressure to just all res- everybody respond in a certain way. And some people respond by shutting down and some people respond by they keep picking up their phone, keep picking up their phone, keep picking up their phone. And some people talk to people inside their own minds and, and, you know, when they're driving down the road, they don't say actual words, but inside they're having a conversation with someone that they've lost. And so I don't have any problem yeah. with, with making the call. I don't have any problem with shooting a text message. I don't have any problem with, um, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's when it becomes a Hillary Swank movie and somebody sends a, a, a text back that we're like, okay, now we're in a problem. But no, I, I think, I think your grief is going to be what your grief is. And then layered on top of that is that awkward. <laughs> I promise you, you feel more out of step than you are in reality. Yeah, that might be true. You're not an ugly duckling I feel and you're like- not, you're not out of community with the people you live with. And all, right. all those things. In fact, they would probably love to have somebody with actual wisdom in, in some of their conversations. Yeah, I would hope, but I try. Yeah. Like I try and I'm like, oh, well, that was a flop. <laughs> Give me an example of a flop. So we started a new school um, for our daughter this year. And I went to the parent you know, get to know the teachers thing. And I really made an effort of like reaching out to new families that said they were new to the area. And I gave out my phone number and said, Hey, if you need a contact here, you know, I'm available. We can, I can tell you about some of the kid programs around town. Um, and I just tried and they looked at me like, well, we don't really want your help. And why are you talking to us is how it, felt when I walked away and I was like, well, I don't know. And so what you felt was vulnerability. You did not feel reality. I don't think. Correct. And everybody in the new school is trying to get used to the air and is our kid going to be safe and who's this teacher and who's this room and who's this principal. And so it's kind of like when back in like college, a buddy of mine would, would say, (laughs) I have one friend in particular who went up to this beautiful woman in, in like the middle of like accounting and was like, Hey, would you like to go out? And it's like time and place, man. Like this isn't the moment. Right. right. And so right. I think the next step, which is going to be, it, this is you feeling that vulnerability, those, those social anxiety alarms and you going oh, game on and you go straight into them. But the next step is you reach out to them and invite them over with their kid over to play. Right, right. And I felt like I was doing it in an appropriate manner. I, like it I was know, like I know. I'm being social silly. I'm being I was silly. Like talking to people. I wasn't like cornering them and not letting them free from the playground area. Yeah, no, no, no. I totally get that. And <sighs> there's just so many dynamics there. But there's something else right. at your kitchen table that humanizes everything. And especially, I can tell you'd be the person to be like, well, I'm the old seven-year-old mom. And everyone would laugh. They'd go, no, you're not. And then that bu- that that bullet is out of the gun. It's out of the chamber now. Right. Now we're friends. Right. And now I can ask you, hey, I've been married seven years. Is this normal? And you can go, no, it's not normal. Or, yeah, it's totally normal because I'm, I'm 13 years down the road. So I, it's right. – it comes back to this core issue that I hear over and over. And I'm going to be honest with you. I experience it myself. I am an awkward friend and I wish that I wasn't. And I don't mean to be, but I'm just awkward. And my friends who I've known for 30 years, they know, yeah, Deloney just stands over there by himself at concerts. It's so weird. (laughs) And Deloney just thinks that joke is hilarious. And it is for sure not 
hilarious at all. Not even right. a little bit. Or Delaney just leaves. He just goes to the bathroom and he goes home and he didn't tell us he was leaving. And I didn't even think about it because we were having a great conversation. I'm just going to go ahead and go home. And so they yeah. know that, but new friends don't. And so I'll tell you, there's only one path forward. Oh, let me, let me, before I tell you the path, what I've come to realize is me and everybody I talk to has this core sense and you're expressing it in a really, in a funny way, but there's some truth to it. You almost feel middle school again. Braces. Ew. Do I look right? Are these the right genes? And it, it's this core sense of what happened to my friends. And that's what our bodies do when we are alone. And to answer your original question, I think the hardest part of turning 35 was realizing that the friendships I had that were so meaningful and deep and powerful and in my wedding in my 20s, like that guy got divorced and this guy took another job and this I, guy had two kids and this guy had no kids and we, we just kind of faded out. And right. there is no manual for 35 and 45 year old friends. It doesn't exist. Right. And so the only thing I've seen that works is just to go be weird. And just yeah. invite people over and invite people over. And we, in our house, we've done it and we've done it again and we've done it again. And then boom, we ended up with a couple of really close friends. Okay. But, it, but it's as simple as knowing in our core, you and me, folks in our situation who moved to new communities at our age with younger kids, we're pretty cool. We're good. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> sure, we got some miles on us. Is that what you said? You got some weather on us or whatever you said? Sure. I'm worn. A little worn. You're worn. It's so but ridiculous. Like you're a car tire. We, we tried, um, you know, soccer. So this is new. And I just remember sitting on the field being like, oh, man, this is boring. I don't want to be here. Yes. But I thought, oh, I'll talk to some of the moms and, you know, families around. And I just stood there and I'm like, okay, no one wants to, like, make connections. They, they don't. Yes, correct. And that is very, very true. Yeah. Until somebody okay. does. Okay. Until somebody does. And I, I, I mean, the only other thing that I've seen effective, and this has been way more my wife than me, is to get involved in community groups. Like she, my wife's a writer, so she gets involved. She has a group of writers and they meet once a month or a group of women who are coach professionals and she hangs out with them. Um, she has a group from our church and they get together pretty regularly. So, um, but it was group-based and we all, it's, it's everyone shows up to this thing and we all have this one common interest in common. Can we go from there? Because people show up to soccer games you know this just by watching them. There's those parents who show up as this is like a pre-college workout program. And then there's the right. scholarship ROI parents. And then there's the um, <laughs> like court ordered parents. And then there's the kid true. just running around in circles looking for his game controller out in the middle of the field parents. I mean, it's, they're all, everyone mm -hmm. goes to soccer, but it's for a thousand different reasons. Everybody shows up to jujitsu for one reason. Everybody shows up to mm -hmm. horseback riding for one reason. And so mm -hmm. that's where I think you can get involved in some, in some groups. And that sounds insane when you're the parent of a seven-year-old, because I am one too. Like, I don't, the thought of having the time to go get involved in a group is madness. Yeah. And we, <sighs> we also have our own business. So my husband and I, our conversations are typically around our business or just life in general. And so I was looking for more of like an outlet of, I mean, I love my husband and he needs me to have a girlfriend in life too. So maybe a group thing. <laughs> the way you said that was incredible. 
And <laughs> I know what you meant, but you said that awesome. Ben, we I mean, might crazy. I have a good life. I just want some more friends. No, you, like, the way you said it was away. like, I love my husband and he wants a girlfriend. And I had to stop for a second. You said he wants you to have. No, I'm sorry. He wants you he to wants have some other friends. He wants me to have like a, someone that I can go do something with. It's oh. a very different call now. There you go. There you go. Yes. Yeah. Right. Very totally. different. Oh. I know grammar matters. What? No, he does not want a girlfriend. What's your, um, what's your business? Uh, we have like a mobile uh, tire service. Okay, this is going to sound nuts, and maybe you don't want to hang out with tire folks. But is there? I mean, I, and again, I'm stretching here. But is there some sort of barbecue that your husband throws at his house for families that are in small businesses or in mobile businesses or some kind of something that picks up with whatever? Mm -hmm. um, is there a group of? moms of seven-year-olds that you can have over to your house and only three are going to show up and one of them is going to be so weird and then the other two are going to be kind of normal but they're not going to talk because of over there right. and right you, you, like right. let me say this the friendship thing is not hard because you're a bad person the friendship thing is not hard because you're not worth being a friend or nobody wants to be friends with you I think the friendship thing is hard because we don't have a skill set. We don't have a roadmap. None of us were prepared for being 30 or 35 or 40 and realizing all of our friends had moved or taken jobs or had kids or gotten married or whatever. We are all by ourselves, And then our body starts screaming at us. Something as simple as, and you know, Ben and I talked about this. We talked about this on this very show about there's something about getting together and playing music with some friends. And these guys are coworkers and a couple of these guys I've shared a couple of different years, which means we were in the same tiny little room practicing for months on end. And then we go have this like common mission and each of us like screw up in our own little way on stage. And we all kind of laugh and each of us like hit something out of the park on stage. It ends up being like a group of guys that I really respect and that I really like hanging out with. And that I really like laughing with. And then I really like, so natural friendships develop out of that that normally wouldn't have been there because we didn't have that common mission. So the two paths, again, the, to wrap it up, the two paths forward, go be weird. Go invite people to your house and consciously say, I'm not going to make this thing spotless. This isn't a Southern Living Magazine ad. This is my friends. I'm going to have some friends over. And there will be some awkward interactions and then there's going to be one or two magic ones. And then the second thing is start seeking in your local community to join some groups. And I know it's harder the more rural you get. That's harder the busier you get. But let's put that on the calendar. Hey, honey, I'm going to step away from family business for two hours a week to go do reading at the library with some friends or go to the knitting club or the whatever club. And he's going to say, I'm going to go to the fishing club or to the skeet shooting club or whatever y'all do um, and begin to just put yourselves out there. It will continue to be weird because you have – you're lacking skills and the people you're trying to connect with have no skills either. So it's a bunch of kids who have never seen a basketball game in their life. And somebody handed them a ball and two hoops and they said, play basketball. And they're hitting each other in the head with a ball, kicking it, bouncing off each other's face. I mean, it's just a madhouse until y'all slowly get the rhythm. And one guy's like, I think you dribble on the other guy's like, I think you shoot. And so keep at it. My promise is there is friends out there. There are adults desperate for wise, funny, cool people like you, small business owners with seven-year-olds trying to figure out phones and dating and all that weird stuff. Man, they're out there. I promise. Just keep showing up and just keep showing up. And 
stop that ticker tape, that story that runs underneath your life that says, you're not worth having friends. That story that keeps going and going that says, you don't have any friends because nobody likes you. You don't have any friends because you're not worthy of being liked. You don't have any friends because, because, because. Cut that nonsense out because it's not true. It's just simply not true. Thank you so much for the call, Julie. We'll be right back. Hey, what's up? Deloney here. Listen, you and me and everybody else on the planet has felt anxious or burned out or chronically stressed at some point. In my new book, Building a Non-Anxious Life, you'll learn the six daily choices that you can make to get rid of your anxious feelings and be able to better respond to whatever life throws at you so you can build a more peaceful, non-anxious life. Get your copy today at johndeloney.com. All right, as we wrap up today's show, the song is Evergreen by Luca Fagali. Yeah, this is a Christian's pick. They better be good. If you're setting me up. <laughs> His first pick. It'll be right, great. You have one shot, Christian, and you picked Luca Fagali. All right, I'm trusting you that they're amazing. Songs goes like this. If I turn back now, would you understand that I'm a winding path, an idle hand? If I disappeared, could you just forget that I'm an empty page, a silhouette? Have I lost the plot of everything, thrown the punch, half-speed swing? I want to recognize this world for all it could become. I want to see all of the parts as more than just their sum. I want you to, I want to know all of your love and all that it could be, an infinite blue and evergreen. Well done, Christian. I give it that. That's some good poetry right there. Y'all are good poetry, too. That was kind of a weird dad thing to, like, try to roll that word into my awkward goodbye. I love y'all. See ya. See ya.